So I was trying to put together a, a clever little email today, and I started to type out, the journey concludes today. And it just felt like I shouldn't say that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, it just feels like I shouldn't say the journey concludes today because there's still a journey yet to be keep on, you know, to keep going on and to keep moving forward. Uh, I, uh, I want to dismiss the kids. If you're, if you're in here and you want to be a part of the things that are going on in the back, you can go ahead and be dismissed. I sometimes forget to do that. Yes, kids, you can be dismissed. But today we are concluding the journey, just the journey, uh, the teaching series only, not the journey itself. And so I want to remind you and I want to tell you, and these are the things that we find to be true in our life. This is what David Jeremiah says. Many of us fill the majority of our hours with diversions and only a few with dreams, but our world is shaped by determined dreamers, by men and women of vision. And like them, you need a dream to achieve your goal. The truth of the matter is, is that for many of us, we want a better life, but we do not do our very best to go about making that happen. The truth is, and I have said it at least three or four times, but I'm going to say it one more time, just in case you were not here or whatever it might be. The truth is, is that for many of us, we would love for something to happen to us to make our life one that we feel good about and enjoy and are proud of. But most of the time, a great life a great marriage, great relationships, great churches, they don't happen by accident. They happen by effort and concerted giving thought to those things and the direction that you want to go, dreaming of something better. And so if you are like me, especially whenever we begin a new year, I kind of find myself wishing for this year to be better than last year. And if that is the truth uh, and Things have been on hold for a couple of years. Can I get an amen? I mean, we've just been uh, talking about surviving these last couple of years, but I think we can finally see some light at the end of the tunnel. Don't crucify me for that. Don't, don't kill me for that. I'm not sitting here trying to make any political statement, but it feels like all of us uh, in our world are either getting close to being done or getting close to getting some sort of grips on this. The truth is, is that if you remember or recall, um, we, whenever we first heard about coronavirus, which is coming up on March 14th, I believe is the day that it happened. Here's what happened for me. My daughter, Tori, who lives in Michigan, came down to watch a K-pop band play at the Houston Livestock Rodeo Show. Are there any young kids in here who like K-pop? Can I, can I get just one little hand? Is Tori? All right. One of you is like, yeah, yeah, I can. All right. So she loves K-pop. Here's what happened. She's like, mom and dad, I'm coming to see you, but I'm not coming to see you. <laughs> so she says, I'm coming down to watch a concert that's happening at the Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show. And we're like, hey, that's cool. At least you're coming in the vicinity. If you're in our zip code or area code, we're good with it. She stayed with us for a couple of days. That all happened. And there were all of these buzzings going on while we were there. 
Shelly and I never miss an opportunity to go out and get a funnel cake if we possibly can. Amen, sweetie? I mean, you know, that's, that's how our love life has stayed. That's our love language for both of us, right? Funnel cake. And so a funnel cake off the midway, hopefully uh, an Indian taco back in the day, right? And so all of those different things that we love are out there on the midway. And Tori, we're like, you go, you go do your thing with the K-pop band. We're going to sit out here and eat like a couple of pigs, right? So that's what we did, all right? Um, so then we're trying to figure out what's happening. Um, it was just a strange, strange time, but it feels like the world went on pause. And if you remember or recall, and, and I don't want to take you back to a bad moment, but let's think about this for a minute. Do you remember at the end of March, it was like, if you knew someone who had COVID, you were like, oh no, there's a 50, 50 shot that they won't make it. And for some, they did not. I am not trying to dismiss this in any way as something light or be silly about it. For some, it did happen that way. But for most of us, we got our hands on it a little bit and then went on a few more months and we got our hands on it a little bit more and then a little further. And then eventually most all of us have caught COVID, at least a couple of, I'd say the majority of us have caught it at least once. And when that has happened, we realize that it's not necessarily the death sentence that we initially thought. Are you guys all with me? I hope we're all still friends here, right? But you know what I'm talking about. And so as we've gotten used to it, as we've taken a breath, as we've made some scientific advances, as we've got the vaccine and all of these different things, our view on things has changed. But our world hasn't moved forward in every single way across the board. You guys know what I'm saying, correct? And so ultimately... We're doing this fits and starts thing where I kind of do this and then I don't do this. And I do this thing, but I don't do that thing that I used to do. And I go this place, but I don't go that place. And all of this stuff that's just uneven. And it just feels so weird. Can I get an amen on weird, right? I mean, it's just so weird. So here's where we are. If you're like me and I'm just talking about me, doesn't mean that this is you. But man, for me personally... I've, have y'all heard that a shark has to keep moving because if they don't, the water doesn't flow in and they cease to breathe and they literally can die if they don't keep moving. Have y'all ever heard that before? I am a shark in that way <laughs> because if I'm not moving forward, I feel things inside of me are shriveling up and dying. I don't know if y'all can identify with that, but I am so ready for things to get back to normal, which they never will. But I have to decide that I'm going to keep moving or else there's parts of me that are going to die and that may not ever come back. You know? So I'm not here to tell you to not be afraid. I'm not here to tell you how to act. I'm not here to tell you what to do about a mask or a vaccine. I'm not here to tell you any of that stuff. But here's what I'm going to say. For me, I have to make a decision of weighing these things. And this is from a guy who actually has an autoimmune disorder, just in case you didn't know. Okay, so I'm not trying to be the guy who decides for you. Okay, so I'm just saying there are parts of me that for two years have been put on hold. And part of this whole message series has been about that for me. That I'm ready to get back on the journey that I was on whenever March 14th, 2020 hit and everything stopped. Right? And I don't know why, 
but you know, there are things that I stopped doing during the pandemic that were good and things that I started doing during the pandemic that were bad. And I don't know if that's just a a mindset thing or what exactly it was, but this year I just kind of had to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm ready to get back on this journey. And I'm ready to move forward, and I'm ready to make sure that the things that are really important to me don't die just simply because I'm a little uncomfortable. And so, again, I hope you guys are hearing this in the the spirit that I'm sharing it with you, because I feel like in some ways we all have to make that decision for ourselves. But here's what I do know. Pandemic or no, this is important for us to remember. We have been given what... The Apostle Paul writes down as something that he calls a high calling. That's the King James Version, and that's the one that I memorized when my dad was preaching about it from the pulpit that I was on the back row talking and writing notes and flirting with girls, right? I mean, that's what is happening. I never knew I was remembering it, but I remember it now to this day. And it is the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it says there from Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. But I love the way that he begins it, forgetting that stuff that's behind me and straining towards what is ahead. Because this is where I'm at. I hope this is where you will be. I hope this is something that is encouraging you to say whatever it looks like, it can't look like it's looked for the last two years, where the most important thing is how I feel, not what I want to become. This most important thing is me and not other people. This most important thing is all about this small little circle of me at the center. It can't work. And you guys know, you've seen, I mean, let's just be honest. It's been like that for two years and man, we're not doing better. You know, I mean, we're not doing better. We're not doing better ever since we've made us the center of it all, you know? And so for us, we have to decide, I'm going to get back on this path and I'm going to get back on this journey. And what that looks like, I'm leaving that to you and the Lord, but I would encourage you, man, be hard. (laughs) Don't give yourself the out because the easiest thing to do is to leave you at the center of it all. And that isn't how it works. That's not how you find the life that you want. And let's be honest about human nature for a moment, if we could. Go to this next slide. Can I get an amen? I mean, can, is, isn't this true? Like, this is how you look on the left going to work on the first day. This is how you look on the, on the last day. I mean, we just move towards what's easier, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know how we would have gotten through this pandemic without yoga and sweatpants. Can I get an amen, right? I, I mean, some of y'all looked incredible from here up on the Zoom machine, and then you're like, Lord, whatever happens, don't cause a fire to come, because I'm not really dressed for work, not safe for work from here down, right? Can I get an amen? Okay, so that's, (laughs) some of y'all are like going, oh my gosh, he's he's seen me. Uh, Yeah, this is how it is. That's the same guy, by the way. Going to work on the first day versus the way that you are now. We tend towards doing the things that are easy. Let's go to our next slide. And yeah, this is so good. And I just wanted to make sure that we heard from Dwayne The Rock Johnson because there is no greater philosopher in the world than anybody who goes by the name Rock. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. Shelly's back there going, amen, amen. And he says, people will quit on you. You got to get up every day and make sure that you never quit on yourself. And to be honest... Some of us have quit on ourselves. 
Just saying. John Acuff, <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get this just right here. I, I printed it up so it would be funny. Uh, he wrote this book called Finish, and it was just so funny. He says these words, I've only completed 10% of the books that I own. I took three years to finish six days of the P90X home exercise program. I was not, uh, I, I took karate from early on and I was age 23 when I finally made it to a blue belt. I have 32 half-started moleskin notebooks in my office and I have 19 tubes of nearly finished chapstick in my bathroom. This is us. Way too often we start something with good intentions and then we do not finish it. This is also true. Did you know that when it comes to New Year's resolutions, think about it, how many percentage, how many of the people in the, a percentage number actually follow up on their New Year's resolutions? Would you be surprised if I told you it was 20%? 20% is way too high, actually. 80%? Giving up in 20%, that's actually way too high. Would you believe it if I told you 90, 10? It's actually closer, but the truth is, is it's 92% of New Year's resolutions do not get followed up on, and 8% do. So this is human nature. This is human nature. It's just the way that it, things are. But can I tell you something? In my belief... It is not whether or not we do every single thing. It is whether or not we get back on a path that puts us towards better and get back on the journey that we know that we ought to be on. There's a great uh, comment or a great quote by Andy Stanley that says, there are a lot of things in your life and my life that are not problems to be solved. They are tensions to be managed. If you are married, I'm telling you there are things in your marriage that are not problems that will ever get solved. They will be tensions that you manage for the rest of your life. This is the guy who's been married to the same woman that he went to school in eighth grade with. All right? Shelly, eighth grade. Tensions to be managed, right? Randy still doesn't pick up his socks the way he should, right? This is the way it is. Why? Because he needs prayer. And he had the good intentions, but he did not follow through with his New Year's resolution. You see what I'm saying? It's tensions to be managed, not problems to be solved. If you did not follow through on your New Year's resolution, that doesn't make you a loser. It makes you normal. It means you're in the majority. But here's what I would say. I believe with all of my heart that those are good exercises for us. And, and, and I don't want to get personal, but let's be clear. I, I've gotten on 100 diets and I've walked away from 101, <laughs> right? I mean, <clears throat> let me, hold on, let me stand behind. I feel better making this admission to you behind this uh, pulpit. Y'all are like, I didn't know he could stand behind the pulpit and stay there. Suddenly, he doesn't want to move. Well, you know, walked away from 101, started 100. Imagine how huge I would be if I hadn't started the 100. You know what I mean? And so it brings us back. It's the tether that brings us back and it helps us. And so it's important that we not just kind of say, well, I won't follow through, so I won't even try. I promise you, if you want a pathway to losers, uh, a loser's mentality, it's that. I won't follow through, so I won't even try. That is a good way to lose the momentum and go in a way that you don't want to go. Very quickly, something to learn I want to share with you. 
There's an in-depth study of leaders in the Bible, and there were approximately 49 people who were leaders where details of their younger, middle, and late life are shared, you know, at least two of those three. And so we know a little bit about David and his young life where he was a shepherd and then where he was a, a person who was in the, the employee of Saul and then eventually when he became a king and all of the years. And so he's one. Joseph is one. Moses is one. And we go down the list of people who were leaders and we have some details of their life. Would you believe that only 30% of those 49 leaders were considered to have finished well? Wow. Now, don't tell me that the Bible is just full of stories and fairy tales, because I promise you don't write in the prince being a jerk. <laughs> you don't write in stuff that's not true, you know, and we're, there are only 30% of men and women who are leaders who finished well. You don't do that if you're trying to sugarcoat the narrative. So here's what I say. Praise God, because I feel myself slipping and I'm just in good company. But here is also what I would say. I'll take that challenge. I'll take that challenge. You know, I used to have a lot of dreams and the things that I wanted to do these days recently. I just want to be a good dad. I just want to be a man who stays faithful to his marriage vows for all of his life. And I want to be a good pastor. If I can do those things, I'd say that's success for me. Finishing well is the exception and not the rule. But it ought to be a challenge to you and me that we say, you know what? I'm on a path right now and I can't change what I've already done. But I will say this. I will decide that from this point forward, I am going to do my very best with God's help and the strength that he gives me and the path that he lays out before me. I am going to do my very best to not give up. I am going to finish well. Forgetting those things that are behind me, I'm going to press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is a game changer. That puts you on a whole different journey. And for some of us, we're floating out there. We know we've even come close to thinking, well, maybe I might grab that. I don't know. Uh, maybe, okay, I'm just going to wait and see how I feel later. The truth is, is that the more indecisive that we are, the less likely it is that we will live the life that we are proud of. Grab it with both hands and say, from this point forward, I'm going to get on that journey that God has for me, and I'm going to move towards that place rather than the one that I might just happen to end up in. All right, so very quickly, don't miss this. I shared this with you last week. If you didn't hear it, I feel fairly proud of this particular subject. We always judge ourselves by our intentions and we always judge others by the outcomes. I'm going to say it one more time and I'll give you a chance to say amen. I'm really hoping you'll say amen because I think it's pretty true. We always judge ourselves by our intentions and we always judge others by the outcomes. Amen. It's true, right? It's true. Can I just tell you that the likelihood of you being what you hope to be as a man or as a woman, as a young person as a person whose life is before them or as a person who's got the last chapter left to write, can I just tell you this? The likelihood of you being that person that you'd hoped or dreamed to be is going to be very, very low if you always judge yourself by your intentions and you would never give people that amount of, that amount of slack when you're dealing with them. 
you look at them and you go, they're not really a good person. Why? Because they didn't do this and they didn't do this and they did this and they did that. Whereas inside you go, I know I didn't do that and I didn't do that and I did that and I did that, but I had good intentions, so it's okay. You see where I'm going with this? You cannot let yourself off the hook if you constantly desire to be the person that God wants you to be and the person that you can look at in the mirror and say, I'm not perfect, but I'm at least proud of the direction that I'm going and the steps that I'm taking today. Let's go, go on here and we're going to move on. You got to live your life by a compass and not a clock, <laughs> right? Because you will always have a reason for not doing the things that you know you should do. Let's keep moving. Here's what, <laughs> I love this story. I love this story. Dr. Jeremiah, in his book, Forward, that you guys have seen, and I've quoted a number of times, he tells the story of meeting a guy by the name of Dr. James Gill. He's a believer, and he is the president of the Ironman Association. He has done six, pardon me, six double Ironmans. Are you guys with me? Six double Ironmans. If you are like me, you don't know what one Ironman is, much less a double Ironman. So I'm going to explain it to you. A double Ironman is you swim 2.4 miles, you bike 112 miles, and then you run a marathon of 26.2 miles, you rest for 24 hours, and then you do it again. You know what I call that? Insanity. <laughs> I don't know why people would choose to do that. This dude has done it six different times. You know how old he was when he did his last one? 59 years old. Wow. I'm 51. And I tell people all the time, look, I don't run. <laughs> I just don't. I used to. I used to love to run. I don't run. I don't care if a horror movie villain is chasing me. I don't run anymore. I just don't. These guys are doing these things on purpose and with the intention. That guy has a passion for this stuff. And here's what he said. How do you do that? He said, I learned to talk to myself instead of listening to myself. If I listen to myself, I hear only the reasons that I should give up. I hear that I'm too tired, that I'm too old, that I'm too weak to make it. But if I talk to myself, I give myself the encouragement and the words that I need to hear to keep running and finishing the race. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it good to hear somebody say, you know what? I know that there's a conversation in my head, and until I have something going in the right direction here, the likelihood is they're not going to be going in the right direction right here. Where your path leads you starts right here, and you don't listen to yourself for advice because it always says hit the snooze button. Can I get an amen? Right? It always says hit the snooze button, but that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be moving towards those things. Very quickly, we've been talking about goals and what that looks like today. I'm going to talk about God's plan, how to overcome complications and especially complacency. I'm going to talk about how to grow in competence and in character, not just simply incompetence. So let's talk. That, hang with me. I just said incompetence, but in-competence, not the incompetence. All right, here we go. The big idea for today is just this. Christian's earthly journey ends when they stand before him. A Christian's earthly journey ends when they stand before him. 
And if you read this passage of scripture along with Eric, or if you were listening, you heard what he was saying. Basically, I'm going to put it into New Texas vernacular, okay? The New Texas version says this. Paul says, this thing that we're living in is nothing but a tent. How many of you have ever spent a night in a tent? Can I see your hands? How many of you have ever spent a stormy night in a tent? You do not want to do that again. Am I correct? Amen. Why? Because it ain't near strong enough. It ain't near warm enough. It's going to fold over on you. (laughs) And those of us over 50 know this is how our body starts treating us later in our life. This is a tent. It's going to start collapsing in on you. The things that you wanted to do, it will no longer do. It's not near strong enough anymore to get through the day in the way that you used to feel. What Paul is saying is literally, this is a tent. And eventually this tent is going to get left behind. And when it does... I am going to be clothed with something new, something beautiful and magnificent. And thank God for that. Every single one of us is going to have a different body, a glorified body. But until that day, I'm caught between two opinions. One opinion is that's what I want because my body is not what I want it to be. You remember I've been talking about the, the thorn in the flesh that Paul has, that, that thorn that he wants to go away but just will not. And also, too, he says, I'm caught between two opinions. I want to leave this body because it's just not the way that it used to be. There's so many trials, tribulations, hurts, physical pains, all that stuff. But I also know that the minute that I leave this world, I will be in the presence of God, and that's good for me. But I'm worried about the people that I love. I'm worried about the things that have been left undone. Are you guys with me? How many of y'all can identify, right? I mean... We want to be in the presence of the Lord, be able to put up our feet and go, the race is run and it's finished. But there are probably a few things on your to-do list that you haven't got to yet. And so you're pulled between two opinions, just like Paul says he is. But he says, here's what I believe. (laughs) To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But here's what I know. When I am fully present with the Lord, my race will be run and I will stand before him and I will give an account for my life. You see, <clears throat> I want to do the rah-rah thing, but I'm also, there's the, there's the stick and there's the carrot. The truth of the matter is, is that this life that you've been given was given to you by God. And he's going to have you to stand before him and say what you did with your life what you did not do with your life. Now, for me, that's a blessing and it's a motivation because I don't want to stand before the God who gave me life and say, yeah, I, I did a lot of important things to people and didn't do anything that mattered to you. But a lot of us are going to find ourselves standing before God and giving an account of the life that we have not lived, that we knew we should have lived. And yeah, I want to be on that journey and I want to encourage you with the positive. But eventually you have to come to the realization that if you don't buy into the positive, I'm here to tell you there's something behind that is not so positive. That's where you stand before God and say, this is what I chose to do with my life. 
These are the decisions that I made that had nothing to do with your priorities, had everything to do with all the priorities that I got from all of the world and the society. And I'm, I'm important and big in their eyes, and I'm a success in their eyes, and an absolute failure in yours. I don't know about you, but that's a problem that I don't want to have. And so here's what I would say. It's so important that we grasp and understand that eventually we will stand before God. We talk a lot about the fact that there's heaven and there is an opportunity for us to be in the presence of God forever. But don't get it twisted. If there's a heaven, you know, it's not just one destination for all. For it is important for all of us to realize we choose to be in the presence of God or if God is not important to us, we can make the choice to be out of his presence and he will honor that choice that we make and he will make that choice final. Not because that's what he wants, but that's because what you have chosen. And for us, we got to be very careful that we don't just say, oh, heaven, 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 and not realize that there is another place that God says we will be separated and it's a place of suffering that we never want to go and we never want to even really talk about for most part. It's so important that we grasp that it is a reality. And I want to stand before the Lord and say, yes, yes, I wanted to give you my whole life. Yes, I failed. Yes, I screwed up. But your grace is enough for me. If you by your grace will let me in, I have claimed that from the very beginning and I claim it again as I stand before you. I know my life is not all that it should have been, but I want it to be something that's pleasing to you. C.S. Lewis had something that's very, very interesting. In the book, Mere Christianity, he says, hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that continuing looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism. It's not wishful thinking. It's one of the things that a Christian is actually meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for their present world are the ones who thought most of the next world. The apostles themselves who set, foot, uh, who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on this earth precisely because their minds were occupied with thoughts of heaven. And it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the next world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Uh, if you aim at heaven, you will get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you will get neither. I want to warn you and I want you to know that ultimately what you choose to do with your life will be an eternal decision that you have made for yourself. Make sure that you make the correct one. All right, so very quickly, I want to keep moving here. So what does it take to get back on that journey? Let's go to our next slide. What, what are we going to take? We're going to take things that do not fade. We're going to take the things that do not fade, the important things in our life in the way that we've left the legacy, not of money, not of possessions, not of those things, but instead a legacy that draw people closer to God. And then what do we leave behind? We leave behind those things which will perish. 
we leave those things behind which really don't truly matter, it's so important that we do not forget. All right, and don't forget, I want to share a couple of things with you. Never cease to push towards that high calling. It is so vital because, as we go to our next slide, we see that therefore we're always confident. No, as long as we're in the body, we're away from the Lord, but we live by faith and not by sight. We're confident, I say, I prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it, because, why? Let's go to this. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The decisions that you make have eternal consequence. You might think that it doesn't bother anyone and the bad decisions that you make don't leave a mark. Be very careful that you don't buy into the lie of something and regret it. All right. Don't forget this. Let's go to our next slide. No matter what has happened, there is still time. I, I think most of you know, but maybe you have forgotten. I used to serve as a hospice chaplain. And one of my main things that I did was I talked to families about how to come to grips with the fact that mom or dad was only living for the last month or two or sometimes weeks or even days of their life. <laughs> Can you imagine how many times I had conversations with people that were going on to hospice that were told by the doctors, you've only got a few days to live. And they talked to me and they said, you know what, Randy, I got some things that I need to talk with my kids about. I got some things that I need to say to my brother. I haven't talked to him in 25 years. Or talking to someone and saying to them, you know what, you're going to have to put mom on hospice. And they're like, oh, like, it's okay, things will be all right. No, 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 you don't understand. If she's about to pass, there are only so many days for us to talk about that thing that has been between us for decades. You see what I'm saying? So for all of us, no matter what has happened, there is still time. That's the word that I always told them. No matter what, you still have time. If you're not dead, you're not done. Can you all say that with me? I know. I know it's right. If I'm not dead, I'm not done. You know what? I saw people who hadn't talked to one another in decades reconciled. So as they left this world, it didn't fix everything, but it took some of the sting and the venom out when they remembered their brother, they remembered their dad, they remembered their mom, on and on and on down the line. If you're not dead, you're not done. You've still got time. You've still got the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of those people who are around you. If you're not dead, you're not done. Don't give up and say, ah, I can't change it. I think we believe in a God whose mercies are new every morning. In Jeremiah, we talk about it is because of your great grace that we have not been swept away. Great is your faithfulness. I promise you that God wants you to be reconciled more than you do and more than they do. So understand God's great faithfulness will not leave. And then let's go to our next slide here. That's that great is our faithfulness that I mentioned. And let's go on here to our next slide. Don't forget, if you're still alive, there's still work to do. This is one of those big questions that I always had as well in hospice. And the question was, why is mom still here? 
I thought she would have passed maybe a month or two ago. And I didn't always have the answer, but I always came back to this. If, if that person is still alive, there's still some amount of work for them or for those around them to do. There's always something left. And you may be saying, well, Randy, you don't know. I'm done. I, I'm old. I'm, I'm, I don't have the, the get up and go. that I, My get up and go has got up and went. I mean, like, I got nothing left, right? Well, if you're still here, the Lord has a reason for you to still be here. Because the Bible tells us that when he takes his hand away, then life ceases for us. And so if he has maintained you to this point, there is still something on your to-do list. There it is. There's still work left to do. Let's go to our next slide. So what do you leave behind? Those things that will perish, but also for others, you leave a legacy for them to follow. The most important thing that you can leave for your children, for your grandchildren, is a legacy for them to follow. Not to find God in spite of you, but to find God because of you. And to lead them in the way that will actually take them into the presence of God. Now, I want to just share with you from Psalm chapter 92, verse 12 through 14. This is really important. I read this from the book, and this is so powerful. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like cedars of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They'll flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in what? Old age. They will stay fresh and green. How many of you said to yourself whenever you were 18 years old and you thought about getting old, you thought, you know what? I can't wait to be a bitter old man. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to be one of those people who nobody enjoys being around anymore because they got nothing positive to say and never had anything good going on in their life anymore. But it happens. You know, there are such a thing as bitter old women, but I'm I'm afraid of y'all ladies. I ain't going to say anything about y'all. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? None of us wanted to be that, but it happens all the time. Please don't mention any names right now. But what a dramatic difference from what God says he wants and from what Paul said about his life. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. In other words, I'm this close to my death. I'm about to leave this earth. If you remember from 2 Timothy chapter 4, it is more than likely the last chapter that Paul wrote. I spoke about it last week. It's probably the last chapter that he wrote down and the last chapter that we have preserved. But here's what he said, kind of his swan song and his ending. And as he was going out, he wrote these words. I have fought the good fight and I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. In other words, thank God, I'm in the 30%. I am finishing well. Powerful, powerful, powerful legacy that's left if we will choose to finish well. Kinder than is normal. More gentle in spirit instead of old and angry and rigid and bitter and cold. Instead, warm and loving and blessing those people that are around us, being grateful for the things that we have and every day realizing that if I'm still here, there's still something on my to-do list. God, reveal it to me. May I always leave a legacy that you would be proud of, and so would I. Here's our big question that I want to share with you guys very quickly. 
What is the legacy you're building? Young people, young people, if you're young, if you're younger than 45, what's the legacy that you're building? Because the truth of the matter is, is that you are doing things right now that will have ripple effects all throughout your life, not just your life, but the life of your children and your grandchildren and even your great-grandchildren. What legacy are you building to leave behind? And then I'm asking, especially those of us who are a little older, maybe 45, 50 and above, what legacy are we leaving behind? Because the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes when we think we've got our kids out the house, then it's okay, we've crossed the finish line. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. There is no such thing as a finish line. You keep moving and you keep going. And you keep on being faithful. You stay on the journey because the journey does not end. This sermon series will end, but the journey does not end. Let's go to our last slide here. Here's how you apply. Go back if you don't mind one one slide. You decide that your journey begins today, and you decide that your journey never ends. The truth is, is that for all of us, if we're not dead, we're not done. There are things that we can fix and set to the right, and there are things that we can change because we still have breath in our lungs. Now, here is what I would share with you. Here is what I would say. For all of us, no doubt about it, there are times where we get off track. But I'm encouraging and challenging you that maybe today is your opportunity to come back to the place where you once again kind of put your feet on that path and you have that journey as your true north, going on God's plan rather than your own. I think that as we end our sermon series, as we end our teaching series, it would be good for us to be reminded that we make the decision and we make the choice. And our group is going to come in just a moment and they're going to sing the song, Oh, Come to the Altar. I thought it would be perfect. But here's what I would say. If the Lord has spoken to you, or if you have a need or a burden in your heart, in just a moment, this place is going to be open for you. Not that you need to be embarrassed in any way, shape, or form, but maybe you know that there's some things that need to get nailed down in your life. There's some things that need to start again in your life, and there's some things that need to be stopped in your life, whatever it might possibly be. This is your opportunity to do business with God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a very short prayer. And if you would like to come and you'd like to be here and just take a few moments of prayer, we have time. We have time for every one of us. So if it's going to take a while, that's okay. This is your time and your opportunity to do business with God. And sometimes moving out of the seat and moving to the altar brings you to a place where you say, you know what? I remember where I prayed that prayer. And I remember where I made that commitment to God and I will honor that prayer and that commitment. Heavenly Father, speak to hearts, I pray. Draw us close to you. And Lord, whatever it is that we need to do that draws us into where you would have us to be, we're asking that that would be done in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, in a moment, we want people to come and make a commitment to you and the path that you are calling them on. 
I pray, Lord, that these commitments that are made would be commitments that they follow through on and that they allow you to speak to their hearts, live their lives in such a way that brings glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you like to come and join? What an amazing feeling it is to know that God is walking alongside us on this journey. We know it's not perfect. There's twists and there's turns. And we live in a broken world. And there's hurt and pain. And God has overcome all of that already. For me, as a husband, I need him. I need him to teach me how to love my wife. I need As a father, I need him to teach me how to love my kids and how to lead my kids. And he's done all of that. The church is his bride. He teaches us how to love his church the way we should love our spouses. We are his children. And from from the very first page of Genesis, we see God's love for his children and a, a, a demonstration of just how we're supposed to love our kids. And it's amazing all the way through to the end. So thank you. Thank God for that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we need you. We need you in every aspect of our life. If we're parents, we need you to help us raise our kids and show them the way and show them you and show them your love through the love that we have for our kids. God, if we're married or or in a relationship, we need you to show us how to love each other the way that you love your church. We are a broken people. And it's you that we need. There's nothing else out there that can fill us, that can repair us, that can glue us back together, but you and your love and your guidance and the truth found in your word. God, we thank you for that. We thank you not just for putting us on earth and saying, love me. You put us on earth and you said, I am going to go through this with you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to take care of you. And if you want to see love, let me show you love. Greater love has no one than this for me to send my son and lay down his life for his friends. What an amazing thing you've done for us, God. May we never take it for granted. And even if that was all you did, it would have been enough. But you send your Holy Spirit to go through life with us, alongside us. And you just want us to love you back. God, we could never love you the way you love us, but thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us that, the demonstration of what love is. As we talked about recently, love is not a feeling. Love is an action. And God, you're, you showed action big time over and over and over again, especially with sending your son. God, be with us this week. Be with us all the way until our journey ends. When we stand before you in judgment, that's when our journey ends. And we need you every step of our journey, all the way until that point. And at that point, we need your grace, which you've promised to give us. So God, be with this church family. Be with us as we go out this week and serve you and serve your people around us. 
Church family, we've heard God's word. Are you ready? Let's say it together. Let's go live it. All right. Love you guys. See you next week or Wednesday on Bible study. Wednesday night, 715.